Broadcasting from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia to around the globe. You're listening to Shark Bite Biz, your exclusive place for business strategy, sales, marketing, and tech in the roaring 20s. And now, here's your host, David Strausser. It's time for the newest episode of Shark Bite Biz. I'm your rock star wannabe host, David Strausser, and this is your place to learn how to grow a business during complete chaos. Today, we have one of those amazing entrepreneurs. Somebody who ended up doing what they loved and turned it into a successful business franchise. Somebody who built something with just one location and now has over 50 by believing not only in franchising, but allowing others to share in his success, to share in his dream with a proven business model. We're also going to talk about how our guest belief in technology actually had his business ahead of the curve and prepared them for this pandemic. We're going to chat about the importance of monitoring statistics and how hard the food industry has been hit during COVID-19. This is an amazing story all around, and I think you are going to be inspired by this episode. So who is today's guest? So glad you asked. Jim Johnson of Mr. Jim's Pizza. Jim Johnson, founder of Mr. Jim's Dot Pizza, a popular pizza chain operating across the U.S., opened up his first restaurant in 1975 with the goal of favorite local pizza place. With high-quality ingredients and a distinctive and tasty crust, he achieved just that and soon he was selling franchises throughout Texas and beyond. He was also the first pizza chain to implement 100% of the stores with online ordering. And today, he has nearly 50 locations across the U.S. and is continuing to expand his pizza empire thanks to the administrative technology he applies. So without further ado, let's bring in the very lovable Mr. Jim on in here. Business Strategy. Jim, welcome to Shark Bite Biz. And you with that big slice of pizza right behind you have just became Shark Bait. Yeah, we're going to do this. So we have a tradition here in the show. Very first question is, what is your experience? What is your background? What makes Jim, Jim? Or should I say Mr. Jim? Yes, Mr. Jim. <laughs> no, it's funny. I've been Mr. Jim for 45 years now. And I have really good friends. Even my kids will call me Mr. Jim now. So wow. it's it's kind of a weird thing. And I talk about Mr. Jim in the third person because he's this yeah. identity <laughs> who's famous, see, because I'm on TV and stuff. And um, yeah. anyway, I'm a pizza man. I uh, started uh, working at McDonald's as a young man, a uh, teenager. And I really like the system and the idea. And I went to Hamburger University. Oh, I was there you second go. <laughs> burger in my class. Archie, runner up. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm there. So in 1975, um, I had an opportunity. Something weird happened with uh, 
McDonald's management where a guy who was um, more social, social, mm -hmm. got promoted beyond me and stuff. And it just didn't seem right. I didn't want to be in that environment. So I wanted to get out on my own. I looked at maybe working for a different McDonald's guy, but I went out on my own and opened the first Mr. Jim's dot pizza in Westland, Michigan in 1975. And, wow. uh, in 1980, uh, 1977, I moved to Texas and I opened another store. In 1981, I sold my first franchise and uh, been very diligently working at that for the last, well, 45 years in total. And now wow. we have a, I have a small chain of uh, 50 locations, 51 locations. Wow. And uh, most of them are in Texas, but we do have one in Las Vegas. Charlotte, North Carolina, Kenner, Louisiana, and there's three in Wyoming. Uh, yeah. And <laughs> I'm a pizza man. Yeah, no, that's no small feat at all. Quite impressive. So one question I have there is, you know, you said that you were kind of drawn into that business. Was it just fast food? Was it just food service in general? I mean, what part of that did you really find attractive? Well, I guess the idea of um, being able to get something that could be replicated, um, mm -hmm. the idea of uh, having a lot of people making this thing with my brand on it, I basically wanted to have time for myself. Uh, one of the very important things for me is being able to take time off work. So there are occasions where I took six months off work at a time. I haven't wow. been doing that lately, but there have been occasions where I'd be totally out of the picture for six months at a time. And that was very important to me and having enough wherewithal to do that. So the idea was you ha I had to do something where others were inspired to make more money by right. making me a little money. And that was the kind of the game plan. And food was just something I knew really well. I had a lot of experience. Right. At the time, it was eight years at McDonald's, which to me seemed like forever because I was only 25, oh, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> you know, so I, I just went that way and um, kept just working at the best way to get that done. And so when you just said, what, what was that phrase you just said about them making like a lot of money and you little or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. You get the guy into a position mm -hmm. where, where the more he makes, you mm -hmm. make more. So he's inspired because he wants to get as much money as he can. And then I'm in there and I help him and he he's happy for the help. He's very well, you know, I make sure that I'm very well in exchange with him so that, mm -hmm. you know, he doesn't mind this little bit that he's got to send me and that it's well worth it to him. And, and that's how the franchise that and then starts that's blooming how for franchise, you. Franchise, yeah. So uh, with that, uh, I mean, the the franchising is that basically how it's formulated then because they're basically buying a template of a business i guess you could say uh to where hey this is a a, a proven road to re, uh success we have you know food recipe things that people like and this is where it's kind of like a partnership i guess you can say yeah yeah, that's the idea. It's a, it's a franchise. And mm -hmm. um, I, like I said, I sold the first one at 81. 
Yeah, great stuff. So I don't know if you know this, but we are in a pandemic right now. Have you heard that? <laughs> yeah, I actually, someone wrote me a letter the other day saying that. Yeah, yeah. So the food industry is something that's been very hard hit because of the current conditions. How has your your personal restaurants and the franchise restaurants been able to adopt to what's going on right now? Well, we were in the very fortunate position of being carry out and delivery for the most part. We mm -hmm. only have a few restaurants that even have any seating. Oh, so that wow. was my whole goal. Now, part of that was because uh, the ideal Mr. Jim's dot pizza location is small with low overhead so that uh -huh. you can put a lot of money into promotion and get a lot of people in the door. So we, we don't have a lot of frills and extras. So that was part of the whole design plan from the very beginning. But the biggest difference, uh, was in 2006, I thought that it might be a good idea if we had online ordering. I mean, after all, it's going to probably do okay. And I see some yeah. other companies doing it, so I may as well do it. Although my personal thought at the time was, who is going to go online? Remember, you had to go online. Right? Gong, gong, yeah. gong, gong, you know. And so who's going to go online, find my site, sign up for an account, put in all their information, put the thing in, figure out how to use it place the order when they can call me on the phone and go, Hey, it's Joe. And I go, Oh, Joe, I have your pizza order that you got last week, right here on the screen. Do you want it again? Boom. But yeah. I put my foot in the door and finally for 14 years later in 2020, it became a big thing. It right. was almost as if it was almost as if customers thought phones spread the disease. They, oh they, yeah, they were they were ordering online more than ever, and it, it's I like I don't know why it is, but with me personally, I'd rather order online than on a phone. And I think what it is is that it doesn't matter if it's Uber Eats or, for example, our favorite pizza restaurant out here, Ray's Pizzeria. Uh, sorry, we don't have you out there, but Ray's Pizzeria, locally owned shop here, really good. They do have their site online. And what I like about it is, you know, on the phone, it's almost like if you don't, you have a menu in front of you, you kind of have to know what you want. Whereas when I go through online or through the app, I'm able to customize it. I'm able to get it the way that I want and even find out that there's options available that I probably wouldn't have found out otherwise. Yeah, I think there's some truth to that. I don't have surveyed data, but it does seem like, you know, there's an agreement with the customer and the employee to get it over with. Mm -hmm. You know, when they're on the phone, when they're on the phone, yeah. they go, let's get this done. They both want to get out of there. <laughs> So, but yeah. when you're online, you don't have that. You can go, hey, Sally, uh, what did you want? You know, and Joey, did you want pickles on that again? You know, so right. I think it's a lot more um, conducive to the guy maybe ordering. And we have found that our online orders have consistently been about 25% more than our phone-in orders. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's totally, totally true because I'm able to you know, walk around the house with my cell phone, getting everybody's orders and fighting with my wife the whole time as she changes her order seven times. Yeah, yeah. And nobody's you know, try doing that over the phone. Yeah, yeah. 
it's nearly impossible to do that. And it's embarrassing too. That I think that's the biggest thing because with my wife, it's so hard to get food choices out of her that once we finally agree in the place, can't agree with what she wants. And, you know, I'm trying to talk to somebody and it just gets like, oh my God, I'm embarrassed. I'm never going to see this person probably, but I'm still embarrassed. And I don't have to go through that online. It's like a, a more anonymity, you know, anonymously to where, you know, I, I just don't have that weird, awkward experience of ordering. Yeah, I think you're right. I think a lot of people feel that. Like I say, I haven't really surveyed it. So that's really anecdotal from different snippets mm -hmm. of conversation. Uh, you but can I survey it. True. I mean, I, I think yeah. uh, going back, I mean, you that that I think would be an excellent point for you to, you know, give a survey to all the people that ordered online that you have the emails for and well, we, find out we, what drives them ordering online. Well, we do do that. Uh, we do a lot of survey work, but I just this anecdotal thing of why okay. do you, you know, this mo emotional thing, like you said, the embarrassment, you're you're not going to, it'd be hard to find that on survey. Does, does it embarrass you to call a pizza place? You know that, <laughs> but we do surveys all the time. Uh, we do invoice surveys all the time. We, um, we do Google analytics. Um, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of, what I do is based on statistics and, and right. you talked about analytics with another one of your guests and mm -hmm. uh, we're very big on statistics and analytics and using things like that. Oh, yeah, that's great. And it definitely sounds like you were ahead of the curve as far as the digital ordering goes and all that stuff, because digital ordering for food existed way before this pandemic, but it just wasn't, one of the primary methods to order the food with it, it was you know probably a very small percentage like you were saying now since the pandemic's hit just like across the spectrum it's kind of got shoved off a cliff and now it's there in everybody's face and it's a necessity nowadays yeah i can remember one of my franchisees way back we we were the first chain to have 100 percent of the stores all doing online sales in fact pizza yeah. to this day does not have every store in online. You can't get your pizza from Pizza Hut every, at every store online. In any case, we had it in 2006. And uh, I can remember a franchisee telling me, well, why are we spending all this time and energy on 3% of our sales? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's just not true anymore. <laughs> right, right. It's probably a much large, larger portion today. So besides the online ordering and stuff like that, how have you had to continue to expand the offerings and just do things a little bit differently because of this pandemic? Well, um, some of the changes uh, were just because of safety issues for customers, you know, masks and gloves, right. sanitizing. We had to put sanitize everything again. There's a sign. Well, uh, yeah, I want to dig into that point right there. How much of an additional cost is that mask, gloves, sanitizing? Is it burdensome to your business? No. Um, yeah, there is some cost, but we're doing so much better now that it's incidental, I guess. Because right. all it is, is gloves, mask, and bleach for the most part. So bleach is fairly cheap. Gloves and masks, there were times when they weren't available like we'd like. But as far mm -hmm. as the cost of it wasn't so bad. Um, but extra labor is a factor too, because we spend a lot more money on labor cleaning too. But again, we had uplifted sales. So 
uh, it was a welcome. Uh, we were very willing to do whatever we had right. to do to make people feel safe because you not wearing a mask in a restaurant for some people right. is like you're trying to kill them. Because COVID, uh, yeah, maybe not so much now, but certainly months ago, that was a death sentence. You know, it was. Oh yeah. And um, it's funny. <laughs> I had a complaint from a customer at one store, and he said, "Well, you're requiring masks. I'm not going to go there." And at the same store, another customer said, "I saw a guy in the back, and he pulled his mask down for a minute. I'm never going to your store." You know, it's like. <laughs> Well, yeah, that, anyway, that's but the a point hard is, situ situation, it, you know, a very tough situation with all of that. And, you know, early on, we've had like lawyers on the show talking about this stuff. And really the consensus, whatever, everybody that I've dealt with the throughout the, the time of this podcast is that, you know, you just do your best, like go out there, give it your harder shot. Um, and if you do that, most customers are going to be accepting of what you do, you know, and show them that you're doing the best practices. But I, I think most people are reasonable as far as they know there's going to be a time that the the face max slipped down and then the employee's got to put it back up or w whatever it may be. I mean, I don't know. I think most people are reasonable. I think it's probably, you know, like the 80-20 rule, maybe just 20% of the people that are wacky either way. But the other 80% are pretty reasonable, I assume. Yeah, yeah. And And we've also had to go to contactless delivery, and right. curbside delivery where the customer can stay outside. We bring out their food to them. Uh, those are added expenses and difficulties. We had to get phones for each store so they could dial in directly right to the store. So we'd know they were calling from outside. Um, what about what about third party delivery apps? I'm talking DoorDash, Grubhub, Uber Eats. Have you been accepting of them? Well, yes and no. Uh, it's an interesting <laughs> thing. Uh, when they first, let's say three years ago, I was looking at them as competitors. Like mm -hmm. I, I want to control that customer experience. I want to make sure that that we have our, our, our valuable final product is a pizza or other food item made just like Mr. Jim makes served mm -hmm. or delivered in a manner that causes the customer to demand more. Right. So I didn't want to release that last bit to some other person who isn't working for me because mm -hmm. would they demand more well the world is shifting yeah. and so um we started it on kind of like a little bit of a test basis and really for the last year i've been we own a proprietary point of sale system where mm -hmm. all the orders for the customer's place and that my employees place are all into the same order entry system online mm -hmm. it's basically an online system well right. we're for the last year or so we've been trying to integrate with this other company that's integrated with all the third-party guys all you know like six or eight of them wow. so this six or eight companies will blend into my system because i think the future is going to be robotics yeah, and I think I think once robotics, whether it's by drone or auto driving cars, uh, mm -hmm. I think that's going to be the future of delivery. And once you eliminate the human element, the world will change. 
And I don't think my franchisees can go out and buy a $200,000 vehicle. Right. But they could rent one from the company that has hundreds of them, you know, or. Oh, yeah, definitely. So you brought up an interesting topic there with robotics. I want to talk more about that Uber Eats and stuff like that. But I want to touch on this robotics first. Pizza making. I mean, it is a skill. I think that there's robotic pizza makers out there. Uh, I think it's Japan or someplace I've seen it. I've Uh, seen it too. I mean, I don't know. I think with something like pizza, I like the human touch because for me, the perfect pizza is imperfection. I like when it's a little weird or if I buy a sandwich, uh, I don't want a clean cut sandwich. I want a sloppy sandwich and sauces leaking all over the place, stuff like that. I mean, what do you feel about robotics in your industry? No, I, I, I have seen those things. And yes, if you bought them, you can save money on labor. But I do think it's very important to have the human element. Um, there's a, a quality about a, a spirit, a being. Uh, there's a life energy. Uh, even living, all living things have it. And, and that, that affects the transaction. That affects the environment. That affects what's going on. Uh, the only say, reason I say robotics in, in delivery is because it's getting close to existing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a friend who had an Uber ride. In We're Las very Vegas. close. Yeah. I had a friend in Las Vegas who had an Uber ride in a driverless car. He was in an Uber wow. that was driverless. Now it had a technician and a driver like this over the steering wheel, but, right. but it was being driven automatically. And that was three years ago. Yeah, I think it's California uh, that just issued the permits as far as allowing driverless cars without technicians now. So the technology is literally right around the corner. We might be two to three years away because I think that they've they've done their test as far as having them with technicians there. And I think they're about to start the testing phase that will be without drivers in the vehicle and monitoring it. So it'll be really interesting to see how this all turns out. Now, what about having, I guess this won't be robotics, but kiosks for ordering in your stores and stuff like that. What's your viewpoint on that? Uh, I think that's a good idea. Uh, Again, though, once they're in the building, uh, I would rather have the human interaction uh, mm-hmm. I've seen kiosks at McDonald's and things, and I, it can right. speed up that kind of fast service. But I think once the customer's in the building, uh, you do want to have a little human a- interaction. No, this one's better than that one. I like mine with green peppers. Oh, yeah, this right. is my favorite. That kind of thing. I I don't, I know that I've had franchisees request that, that we have kiosk mm-hmm. ordering. But by the time the guy's at the counter and we're able to interact with them, uh, I, I prefer that right now. But we definitely have the idea that that we could do that. We can make a, a website, a, a tablet that goes to our website. And they mm-hmm. can just do place a web order within the building. That's but, that's um, pretty cool. Yeah, it, but I I'm avoiding that for now. Let's say that. Um, okay. Well, I mean that's good because I think you're adding in the personal touch you know the you're you're trying to build relationships with your customers and if they're only interacting right if they're only interacting with kiosks that's pretty tough to do so back with uh the uber eats and stuff like that with the delivery services 
I mean, one thing I've noticed out here is that a lot of businesses didn't like it because they do lose some of that quality control that you were talking about. And I think it drives a lot of them nuts. But there's places like I think Grubhub was doing this where they were just signing businesses up themselves and then just delivering the food. Have you ever had anything weird like that happen to you guys? Any issues with it? Well, I, at first, like I said, I didn't want to give up that control of the customer experience. Mm -hmm. The whole experience, he has to demand more. So any right. aspect of the experience, I need to control. So it was very reluctantly that I released that delivery portion of it. But we find that the Uber Eats and DoorDash and whatever else is out there, customers yeah. are not my customers. Mm -hmm. they're, they're, they wouldn't have come to me. They don't know me. Right. They're looking down a list. Oh, pizza. They, they're not Mr. Jim's dot pizza customers who go to my website and get better deals usually and save yeah. money and, and get, you know, different things. So my customers go to Mr. Jim's dot pizza, but yet there is a world out there. And I think they're younger than myself that uh, want to go to a barbecue pizza chicken. You know, they want to see it right. all listed and then they can pick the one they want and that is a client that i i would like to get their business but they're not really my customer they're not the guy who's going to maybe even come back so that's exactly why i wanted to dig into this topic a little bit because what you're saying there is ultra important and i think a lot of people have that disconnect of thinking like how you were originally thinking, but then you came up with the the rationale that, hey, you know what? They're actually not mine. Uh, they're on Uber Eats or whatever it is. And this is the only way I'm ever going to have a chance of ever getting those people because they're ordering from the app. And you have a lot of credit cards right now, even. I have an American Express Platinum card. They give you like 20, 30 bucks a month on Uber that you can use for Uber drives or Uber Eats. You know, uh, the Chase Platinum card, same thing with, I, I think it's DoorDash. Now, that's one of the things they're using to get people in and spending. But you, you can, if they go direct to you, they will get it cheaper. Because what I found is most times Uber or whoever, they're going to tack on a dollar, two dollars, three dollars to the menu price item, plus delivery charges, plus tip, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And um, we find that to be true. And um, further, I check the... Um, I check the actual phone numbers of the person using it or their name. And I look in my database and they're not there. Wow. And we always make really sure to go, okay, now next time go to my website and call me mm -hmm. directly. Don't yeah. go to those guys. Why but, don't you, I mean, if you're doing that with Uber Eats, uh, I mean, why don't you just give them, you know, on a new customer that never went to you directly, attach their pizza box, you know, like, uh, hey, here's a free pizza coupon or whatever, just yeah. to get that person to come back to you directly compared to All the right, Uber you're app. hired. You're a genius. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what we do. That says oh, perfect. two time points online. So you can get two times reward points online if we go to your, if you go to Mr. Jim's Pizza. You're not getting any points over there at Uber. And here's some yeah. coupons that, that you must use on my website to get the deal. So yeah, we do do that. But even with that incentive, it's a group of people that that like that that aspect of the mm -hmm. of the Uber app or whatever. 
Do you know what? So the next topic I want to talk to you about is the important. We talk about this. It's funny that we're off on this. Cool. Oh, yeah, that's what I said. You know, the unstructured, structured conversation and this stuff, your experience, what you're telling people is valuable information that's going to be able to help out a lot of the restauranteurs out there that are trying to figure a lot of this stuff out on their own. Well, here's um, a big change we had to make. I'm just going to touch on it because it has oh, directly to do with this. With the COVID, we quit taking cash from customers at the door. Oh. And we and we said, you got to buy credit cards. So all of a sudden, it was already a high percentage of credit card business. All of a sudden, it was really high. So we sent out these drivers. And then normally at the end of the night, you give them their part of the cash, their tips and gas money as currency. Because they mm -hmm. need that money for gas tomorrow to get to work or the beer right. that night, depending. Hopefully, they drink the beer after. Uh, <laughs> did I say that? Yeah. Oh, my God. Anyway. Yeah, you did say that. <laughs> oh, no. Please, can we edit that out? Uh, um, yeah, I'll make a note of it. And hopefully, my <laughs> editor gets it. <laughs> anyway, um, so anyway, so at the end of the night, there's no cash to give them. Right. Because we, we've given out change. And so... We had to develop a way to pay the drivers directly with non-cash like Venmo or Zelle or whatever. And that mm -hmm. was quite a big programming change that I had to implement. So I had to go into the code and I'm into the SQL, uh, the structured query language, writing code yep. and into the JavaScript writing code so that we could go, no, that's not cash. Because our accounting system, the daily closeout report was treating that money you gave the driver as cash. Right. So it was taking it away from the cash you had in the drawer. Yeah. We had to we had to change that. And and so my skill as a computer programmer came into play. That's awesome. You you're definitely a do it all and <laughs> do too much, maybe. <laughs> yeah. So with that though, I mean that that's really cool innovation. That's really neat digital transformation as far as being able to figure out a way using tech to get them the money to fix the short-term gap it there had to cash be, flow. It had to be in their account that day. It had to it had to flow because they need that money. And that's traditional in, in tipped industry. You need that tip. That That's the way you live. How did the drivers like that being paid through Venmo and stuff? Was it a positive to them? Uh, no, there's some that didn't like it. Some that even don't have bank accounts. So th th there was an adjustment. So we, we have it whether it's an option. It's it's up to the driver whether he gets that money or maybe the owner in a, in a situation where there's a lot of credit cards, maybe he tells the drivers when he hires them, hey, we just don't pay out cash. Okay. Okay. Interesting. But it so is. some we... drivers like it, some drivers don't. Okay. So we were just talking about like the statistics, analytics and stuff like that with a business owner such as yourself, then what would you say is the importance of monitoring statistics on your business? Uh, as, as I've told you before, uh, I'm, uh, I've studied the Hubbard management system. And yeah. one of the key administrative tools you use is statistics. So I am crazy about statistics. No, not really, but I, I use a lot. So we track 12 statistics on the 50 stores weekly. So that's 600 mm -hmm. graphs a week that we can look at or pull up. Then there's 10 or 12 stats that we track weekly that I also keep track of. And that's how, while we were doing this, you would think our graph should go boom because of COVID and then, you know, be just gradually right. going up because 
COVID isn't getting worse. If anything, mm -hmm. it's getting a little better. People are more tolerant of it. Uh, there's a little less outbreak right now. So if anything, people are a little more tolerant. But my graph is like this. Yeah. Wait, my hand's disappearing. Yeah. Uh, my graph is like this, and and it's it continues to grow. Well, what what could that possibly be? Except that we are in fact delivering that better than expected dining experience. There'd be no way that yeah. those people would come back unless we were actually giving them, you know, what they want. And with my website, um, I get customers who don't understand it or whatever, and it frustrates me because I want the website to read their mind. And yep. give them what they wanted, not what they clicked on. <laughs> a guy, a guy ordered a, an extra large pizza. Well, a guy ordered a medium pizza, and got forty mm percent -hmm. off on it, and it and it was like cheaper than, it was really cheap. And he comes in the store. He goes, "What's this?" Well, it's a medium. I wanted an extra large. Well, you ordered a medium. Well, I'm supposed to read all that. <laughs> Yes, in fact, you are. You got it. It was in your cart. It was in your confirmation email. And you should have known it as soon as you got the email that it was the wrong size. Call <laughs> us back and change it. But no, it's like, what? It was my fault that he had to read the website. And I agree with that to, to a great degree that I wanted to be able to read their mind. Some of the changes, what's really cool about owning the software is mm -hmm. I myself can go change it when we need to. So I look at statistics and I might change something based on that, but I'll get a customer comment. I had one where, um, now this is for, since 2006, when mm -hmm. you order, a, you put a saved order in your cart. Are, are we okay on this taking a little bit of time here? Oh yeah, yeah, go ahead, you're, you're perfect. Okay, um, you put a saved order in your cart and it says large, pepperoni extra, mushroom extra. You know, that's the toppings you ordered. Mm -hmm. So the guy gets his pizza and he goes, where's my extra pepperoni? Well, what? And he brings into the franchisee the screenshot where it said pepperoni extra. But nowhere in the order does it say that. Because that that word was not the correct word 14 years ago or whenever the guy decided to right. type that word in there. So that moment, I went into the website and changed it to added so that no other person would have that same confusion, you know? Right. And then, then we found it in another area where it said extra when it should have said added. And yeah. it's stuff like that, that you can be facile with, that, that mm -hmm. you can immediately change, that that really helps you navigate. And, and owning the software really helps us to do that. I had a customer say, again, this has been 14 years this way. I mm -hmm. went to buy the pizza and I couldn't order for now. It said, schedule your order. Well, I go and I look at the screen and sure enough, a big button on the screen says, schedule your order. I meant for them, if they do want to schedule it at a later right. time, go ahead and do it here. But it said, schedule your order. And you go to schedule <laughs> your order and you can't get it right away because you're we we let we want to give you an hour before we let you schedule in case you're ordering 20. So yeah. I went in that moment and change it, schedule your order for later. And yeah. no other comment came in. So it's that's things good. like that and being able to do that, that's really cool. And of course, I had to learn programming to be able to do that myself. Now I, yeah. I have a team, I could have them do it, but I 
I, I like and to that's meet. the that's the the value of somebody like you that learned some basic things about tech. I mean, you don't have to be a true expert to make some of these minor tweaks and stuff like that. You just have to have a solid foundation of how this stuff generally works. And you can make little tweaks like that on your own. You well, know, also, I think it's pretty cool. Well, also the Google. Man, I, yeah. any question, make the letters blue. Oh, there's five different ways. Uh, I want this to add this and this, but not this, put in that. Oh, there's six mm -hmm. different ways to do that. Which one do I understand? Okay, I understand right. this one. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we do got to get wrapping up. I do want to end with one final question. This has been awesome so far, Jib. Is there's a documentary that was made about your life. How about yes. you tell us about that? <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, yes, uh, on Scientology.tv, uh, you can go to meetascientologist.tv slash Mr. Jim. And you can see how I started on a shoestring and the various things that I went through to get going and a couple <laughs> of the things I went through. And it's really a cool thing. You can also go to um, my YouTube channel. We do this thing called Mr. Jim Delivers. So we don't tell the customer and Mr. Jim goes out there with a camera crew to their house. And uh, we, we go, Hey, um, I got your pizza order here, but I also brought something for myself that I'm going to share with you. Can I come in? And many mm -hmm. people let me in a couple didn't uh, many people <laughs> let me in and we interact and it's kind of funny. Uh, there's one where I almost destroyed the guy's home. So you, you might want to. Oh, I'm definitely going to make sure that we check that out. I'm going to put the links in the description below if you're on YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, wherever you're watching or listening, we'll have the links. And again, what's the website for Mr. Jim's Pizza? Mr. Jim's, Jim's dot pizza in 2015. We changed the brand. I wanted to call it Mr. Jim uh, Pizza. I wanted to change the brand to bring internet into the mind of the customer just mm -hmm. by saying the brand. And so right. I wanted to call it uh, Mr. Jim uh, Pizza at MrJims.com. Yeah. Nobody liked that. But then when dot pizza domain names became available mm -hmm. on December 10th, 2014, I was first in line to buy one. In fact, yeah. I said, you know what? I'm going to buy dot pizza as the TLD, the top level domain. And then yeah. anybody who wants dot pizza has to come to me. I'm going to be rich. <laughs> I go to ICANN who owns all this naming stuff and yeah. they go, sure, come on down to sit at the table and bid on it is $185,000. Wow. To sit at the table. And mm -hmm. then the, it actually got bought for 34 million. Anyway, so I didn't do that. I waited till the 10th. Oh, you of didn't December. hold on, hold on, hold on. You did not spend 34 million on dot pizza. I, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, I missed the vote on that, I think. Yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so uh, in 2014, we had that name. And in 2015, by January, we had the logo change, the brand change, the name, the website <laughs> change, everything. So it's Mr. Jim's dot pizza. And I always say the dot just because i do yeah yeah you know that's fine miss well you should because that's i uh, mean a lot of people i think they're still getting used to having things like dot pizza and stuff like that so perfect uh again the pizza behind you looks delicious i am now dying for a slice of pizza thank it's you the mr pizza jim that made me famous 
Yeah, it, it, it looks amazing. It Mr. does Jim, look amazing. Fingers. Yeah. So, Mr. Jim, thank you again for coming on here. This has been helpful. It's been awesome. We've loved talking with you. And after this pandemic ends, would definitely love to have you back again. Okay, good. Yep. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Great discussion with Mr. Jib. I got to tell you, I am still hungry. Pizza is my weak point. And looking at those images, oh, man, they look so good. First off, if you love this interview with Mr. Jim, if you found this inspiring, do us a favor, smash that like button, smash that subscribe button. As I say every episode, we're trying to build the community, like-minded folk that want to grow their businesses, that want to grow professionally, that want to grow personally. Shark Bite Biz is the place to do that. Smash that like and subscribe buttons. And if you really want to help, let's get Mr. Jim's Pizza, Shark Bite Biz, trending on social media. Share this episode out to your network on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. Some solid information right here in this episode. Now let's get back to Mr. Jim, okay? To me, what stands out most is how he was ready for this pandemic. He really embraced technology early on, and it allowed them to excel during this pandemic. Yeah, it was kind of coincidental. Nobody predicted we were going to have a pandemic, but he had the foresight to embrace this, to spend the money on the development, get this online ordering uh, implemented for his company. And it's kind of funny and ironic how barely anybody used the online ordering system pre-COVID. Now it's something that actually allowed them to be ahead of the game uh, against their big chain competition and really accelerate their growth during the pandemic. The other tidbit I wanted to stress was Mr. Jim stressing the importance of monitoring statistics and KPIs. Prior to doing this, he had no idea of what valid data to really use to make some critical business decisions and strategies. Having that raw data that can be converted into useful information is as easy as ever these days. I've said it before and I'll say it again right now. You can have enterprise level technology at a small to mid-sized market price and complexity. It's out there. Talk to me, talk to all the other people out there uh, You know that can help you embrace this. You should not be managing your business on QuickBooks and Excel sheets, okay? Lastly, I just want to point out again, make sure you check out the documentary made about Mr. Jim's life. I'll have the link down in the description below. Check it out. It's a really, really good story. I think you will all love it. And make sure you support his business, his employees at MrJims.Pizza. Also, don't forget my debut article, full-blown article with Forbes should be out by now. So check the article out. You'll find it in all of our social media for both David Strasser and Shark Bite Biz. Um, and this was a really fun video with some great conversation. What did you all think about it? I guess today's discussion question is going to be, where do you balance a technological curve, okay? Meaning... Where do you decide to be behind the curve, with the curve, 
in front of the curve with rolling out tech for your business, just like Mr. Jim did with the online ordering. Leave your comment below on YouTube. Let's get that discussion rolling. And if you want to be a guest on this show, you got a great business story to tell, make sure you shoot us out an email, david at sharkbitebiz.com. Once again, you all know this by now. I'm David Strasser. This is Shark Bite Biz, and we'll see you all next episode. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Shark Bite Biz. We hope you got some insightful info from this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and visit us on the web at www.sharkbitebiz.com. How has business changed for you in the 20s? Email us at podcast at sharkbitebiz.com so you can join us and share your story.